With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Listeners to Art Fair Radio. This is Connie Mettler of ArtFairInsiders.com, a social networking site for artists, and I'm publisher of ArtFairCalendar.com, the place to find the nation's best art fairs. Later in the show, we will be taking your calls, and here's the number. Write it down in case you want to call in. 1338. Today's topic is one of the biggest ones of all, money management for artists. We are not going to talk about taxes or how much tents cost or booth fees, but we're going to talk about artists' attitudes and learnings towards money. We'll talk about how to take charge of your money, save your way out of debt, plan your financial future, and transform your relationship with money forever. Plus, our specialist is going to talk about a system that will help you do that. Our guest is Cheryl Kozowski. She's founder of Artful Work, artfulwork.com. She's a certified financial recovery coach who specializes in business development for creative people. Cheryl offers one-on-one coaching, classes, and workshops to help artists and designers grow their businesses and make more money. She has managed several art-related businesses over the past 10, 30 years, including two of her own, and her artwork has been shown throughout the Midwest in various galleries and museums. Welcome, Cheryl. I'm so pleased you could join us today. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Well, it is. I met Cheryl at the ZAP conference in Louisville, and i was been pouring over her website in case anybody gets tired of just listening while you're listening you can go to her website artful-work.com and get some more information and see what Cheryl looks like um, here's an oft-repeated scenario in the art fair business oh I just finished a great show that I've been looking forward to and I spent all this time looking forward to and sold all this stuff and I had great financial results results and then I got home and a month later I find myself financially desperate again. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Is anybody learning, earning a living at these art fairs? We're going oh, to find yeah. out. Oh, yes. Okay. So, Cheryl, um, do you, um, can you, you run these sites and you've got a special training. I notice in your, your bio that you are a financial recovery coach, certified, in fact. And I'm very... I'm very curious about that. Let's let's cover that before we go into nuts and bolts. What is that? What does that terminology mean? Um, so a financial recovery coach helps people sort of have a better relationship with their money. So I'm not talking to people about how to invest more wisely or um, what to invest in. Um, what I'm talking to them about is how to manage their money but also how to feel that they're spending their money in a way that serves them best Um, so that they aren't, you know, so many of us, we spend money and we're not conscious of what we're spending it on. And so we spend it, you know, a dollar or two on this thing and three dollars over here on coffee and, you know, we see some cute little thing and spend $10 for it. And when we, if we were to look at it over a year and not have spent that money mindlessly, we could have chosen how we wanted to spend that money towards something that's really meaningful for us. 
Okay. So that's what that is about, financial recovery, how you fix that relationship. Well, financial recovery sounds like an AA uh, group, like recovering alcoholics. How is this and why is that terminology in here? Um, so the field of financial recovery was um, created uh, through the Financial Recovery Institute uh, by a woman named Karen McCall. And um, earlier in her life, Karen had a, a problem with uh, alcohol. And so she came up through the ranks through Alcoholics Anonymous. And when she developed financial recovery, she used some of the modeling that she learned as she was uh, overcoming alcoholism. And what we know now is that um, there really is no difference uh, between alcohol, food, sex, and money addiction, that uh, often many of us use these different tools um, to take care of emotional issues, issues that we have, to make ourselves feel better about different our upbringing or different things that have happened to us in our lives, and misuse these substances, or money as the case may be, uh, in order to make ourselves feel better. And that is really very much true with our money, too, as well as that sometimes we just learn, you know, we follow our parents' footsteps in the way they spent and uh, made money and without actually thinking about what they were doing. And so we just sort of like follow along, believe what they believe, and never really stop to investigate whether or not those beliefs are real and whether or not they're serving us. Okay. All right. So so uh, spending money, you're getting your fix from going shopping or you're getting your fix from some good sex or some spending your money from some great meal or spending your money to get high. These are all, all tied together. It's, these are coping mechanisms to fix things. Yes? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. That's exactly Okay. Right. Well, then, so I know you've been dealing with creative people for quite some time. So what are the most common financial mistakes that you see artists make? Uh, the largest mistake that I see happen for artists is actually something they're taught, which is that they immediately believe that it, they're just not ever going to be able to make really good money in the arts. So um, unfortunately, uh, college professors and you know, a lot of our teachers are actually passing down the idea that it's not possible to make a good living in the arts. And um, when, as artists, we believe that, um, we make choices differently than we would if we believed it was possible to be millionaires and therefore um, sort of stop the possibility of being financially well-off before we even begin. Because we never anticipate it. Because we don't allow it to even be a possibility. Um, it, you know, so for an example... Um, I, I talk about this quite a bit. When I first started um, my own business as a, uh, I started out in uh, fabric design, and when I started, I was doing batik fabrics for the women's clothing industry. And, you know, when I started, I was just so excited that I was getting to make any money doing something that I loved. And because in college people had said to me, oh, you know, you're never going to be able to make any money doing your art the fact that I made enough money to live on was extraordinary to me. You know, I just thought I was doing fantastically well. And after a while, I was hired to work at a company called the Meyer Romanoff Corporation, which is a company that makes tie-dyed fabric and wallpaper. So it was kind of even more of an obscure kind of product than I had. But instead of thinking that he was going to be able to make just enough money to get by, when Maya went into business, he thought, oh, I'm going to make millions of dollars in this business. And so he made decisions very differently. So I just thought, oh, I'm going to find a couple designers that are going to, um, you know, use my fabrics in their garments or later in upholstery. And when he started, he, you know, made a decision to get the back page of Architectural Digest for an ad and invest in that. Um, 
because he saw the possibility there that I never saw. And we both got what we were thinking we would get. I was making just enough money in my own business to survive, and he was making millions of dollars. And I'm pretty clear that was one of the main differences. The only reason that each of us were doing what we were doing was because we framed it differently when we started and therefore made very different decisions. Wow. Right, because that would trickle down into almost any decision having to do, even with how you spend your time, let alone your money, day in and day out, wouldn't it? It it just frames it. And you were probably working just as hard as he was and putting in as many hours. Oh, way more. But your expectations (laughs) were so different. (laughs) Yes? Way way more. I was working way, way harder than he was. (laughs) Because as part of his vision, he had all these other people there that he was going to have work for him. You know, Mm -hmm. in his company, he had, you know, 20 employees. In my company, I had two, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, he got to go home at 5 o'clock when I had my own business. I didn't. <laughs> no. um, oh, so, so now we're gonna we're gonna learn how you make that transition. Okay, so it's it's certainly what you were taught, and if you were taught wrong, I mean, if you were taught a certain way, that's the way you're going to live your life. And of course, yeah. how, how your past life was, and what kind of surroundings you were brought up in, also. And it, some okay. So, what's another common financial mistake an artist makes? Uh, the next huge one is underpricing their work. Um, so most artists, um, in order to determine what their pricing should be, kind of look to see what their competition is charging. Many even will look to see, you know, just what a bowl costs if they're a potter, mm-hmm. um, and then think that they need to be competing in price with a bowl that comes from Macy's or Target. Um, and not ever really looking at the costs that go into making those products, let alone the costs that are part of running their business that are not things they can bill directly for. Um, So their overhead. Um, Almost none of the artists that I work with know that they're supposed to be including in their pricing the time that they spend marketing their work, the time that they spend... um, you know, setting up a website or having a meeting with someone or researching uh, art fairs or stores to put their work mm-hmm. in. Um, it's just when they're actually creating the product is the time that, that they're talking about. Yeah. Right, that's okay. Well, we can get to that underpricing uh, later. Okay, what, what's another one? Uh, another one is not having any savings. So um, this is true not just for artists but for, for many, many entrepreneurs that um, – Life ebbs and flows, and um, there are times, no matter what business you're in, where things are going really well, and there are other times when no business walks in that door whatsoever. And the only way you get through those times when you have no business is if you have savings. And so it is imperative that people put money aside first and that even comes before they pay any debt off that they've incurred. Um, That's just a critical way for people to move forward in life financially. That's a tricky one. Okay. Oh, these are are tough. Each one of these, I'm sitting here and I'm saying, but but you don't understand, but I I think we're going to find out you do understand. Okay. What's another one? Um, Lack of planning. So that is, there are ways, in fact, that if you are keeping track of what your income is and expenses are all the time, that you can, in fact, know in advance of a month's beginning exactly how that month is going to end, or pretty close. It may not be exact, but pretty darn close. And if you plan, you can make sure that you're fine all the time. When, what more often happens is people get scared and they often assume actually that they're in worse financial difficulty than they actually are, and so they don't ever want to look. And by not looking, they're making matters worse. Uh, when we look at what is actually going on and make decisions accordingly and plan for the future, um, we can 
get things to happen um, that are extraordinary, actually. All kind, you know, people can take vacations. People can actually pay themselves really well if they plan for it. Um, and that doesn't even matter, by the way, how much money you're making um, in some respects. Uh, even when you're beginning and you're not making very much money, you can make sure that you're doing fine all the time. Well, okay. And I'm I'm hearing uh, my listeners going, yeah, but what if your show didn't go well? Well, what what if you didn't get a show that we? No, we're talking about a little longer range planning than week to week, right? Um, yes, you want to be yes. doing particularly a month in advance. Yeah. Um, and you also, at some point, want to be looking a year in advance, um, so that you are making those decisions about, you know, how many shows. If this is how much money I want to make a year, how many shows do I really need to be in in order to make sure that I hit that target? Right. And how many pieces do I need to be selling at each of those shows? And then if you see in the beginning of the season that you're not reaching those targets, you still have time to do something about it. Right. But if and you're that- not paying attention to it, the whole year goes by and you haven't made the amount that you want to. Okay, um, and what's another one? That's number five. That's number five. Common financial um, mistake. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's mostly just the planning. It's, um, I'm trying to think what other specifics I can give you. Um, you know, and, and along with the planning is tracking. So um, the only okay. way you learn what it is that you actually need to live is by keeping track of what you're actually purchasing and what that costs you to live the life that you do. And so that's another mistake that people make is um, we think each one of us kind of thinks that we need a certain amount of money to live. And artists have the worst time with this. And, I'm not quite even sure why. Um, But we tend to think that what we need is what our regular monthly expenses are. So we add up in our mind what our mortgage or rent is, what the electric bill is, um, you know, what our car payment is, things that are payments that are due every single month. Um, But we never remember to add in new tires for the car or the doctor's appointment or, um, you know, the quarterly insurance payment that's due or, you know, things that come in only a couple times a year. And those can add up. And so generally the reason that people get into financial difficulty is because they're thinking in their mind, oh, yeah, I can live on $25,000 a year. And it's because they've, you know, added up these small expenses, monthly expenses, and that's what it is. But those additional expenses could be another $10,000 a year. And if you don't include that and you're just working towards, you know, that uh, $2,000 a month is what my target is because that's what I need to live on, you're always going to be short. So so is the answer that um, I need $5,000 a month and by wishing it will happen? No, the answer is that you look to see I need $5,000 a month, and then you plan how you're going to make that happen. Okay, all right. It does work where your your financial stuff is intertwined with your marketing and your business plan. Right. This is not, I mean, I talk to people all the time. It's it's not so much being an artist is supposedly 50% creating and 50% marketing. But now we're going to, we need another part that's um, something else, right? <laughs> Being financially yeah. smart, all yeah. entwined with it all. Oh, okay, so, so um, I think this is a pretty easy question for you. So what are the benefits of being financially solvent? Peace of mind. You know, yeah. I, every single artist I know is scared almost all the time, right? Because they just don't know. It may turn out fine. It's like playing Russian roulette a little bit. You know, it may be fine, and it might not. And so even when things are going well, we're scared to pieces because we don't know for sure. 
And so um, if you are planning it and you are tracking what you're doing and seeing how the decisions you've made are working out and adjusting them when they need to be adjusted, then you have the peace of mind of knowing, oh, yeah, you know what? This is exactly the way I planned it to be, and everything's fine. Even when it's slow, I knew it was going to be slow during this, this season. It was last year. It was the year before. I was ready for it. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Right. And, well, I have to say that I have been scared about money almost my whole life, but I luckily did a lot of did I was kind pretty conservative but I never thought I'd be okay but as it turns out I'm kind of okay now <laughs> and it's it's astonishing to it's more surprising than if I were broke I don't know what what is that <laughs> just well strange. I think that is that expectation you know that I mentioned before that artists just don't think they're ever going to be able to do it mhm Okay, yeah, right. Beyond possible. When one of the um, the information that you sent me earlier was um, the characteristics. Well, let how about let's do um, a like a few. What is um, some characteristics of people who are under earning and who are not likely to be able to wrap their heads around? getting financially solvent. What are some of those characteristics? Okay. So first of all, under-earning means just making less money than you really need to live the life you want. So it doesn't mean that you're broke necessarily. It just means that you're making less than you really need to and should. Um, So some of the characteristics are feeling like you're trapped. So often, oh yes, I have will, to do I have to do thirty shows this year, regardless because I'm trapped. I don't know how to do anything else, right? Yes. yes okay. Exactly. Or powerless, or that um, you have to take this particular commission, even though you don't want to do this commission, even though the price is lower than you want, um, because um, you know there's just no way around it. This is the only way you're going to be able to make it. Um, and so that is a typical characteristic. Another one is giving your power away, in a sense, um, blaming other people for your circumstances. So this is, you know, it's not my fault that I'm not making the money that I should. I'm also a mom and a wife, and I have chores I have to do for my home, and, you know, my husband doesn't help, and so... Really, it's mostly his fault. Or um, it could also be blaming the circumstances. So, um, you know, the economy is a good one these days. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with artists recently who swear that every single artist in the universe business was terrible over the past three years, um, no matter what I say to them. I could, you know, and I happen to know several who've done fantastically well over the past three years. But because the economy is bad, has been bad, that has been the catch-all. Well, you know what? Why even try right now? Because the economy is bad. We're not going to be able to make any money anyway. But we all know in those circumstances, there are some people who are doing fantastically well. And so logically, it doesn't make sense that just because it's a bad time financially in the world means that every single one of us isn't going to be able to make it work. So something else must be going on there. Um, Another one is underestimating your worth, which we talked about before, Um, feeling that you don't deserve to be paid well, which is different than what I was talking about, about being taught that artists um, aren't uh, worthy. Um, Some of us, as children, were given either on purpose, unfortunately, or um, without meaning to, given the message that we weren't worth making very much money. Um, And so, you know, people will notice throughout their life that, um, you know, often they'll make the same amount of money throughout their life, no matter what job change they've made, because they have a sense of their worth at a certain level and have a very difficult time getting beyond that point. 
they've determined I'm worth about $20,000 or $15,000 or whatever it is. Um, often they also crave comfort. So that means they're not, you know, they're not comfortable with change. So sometimes in order to become competent, particularly for artists actually, you know, many of artists are in their family, the creative one, and other members of their family are the successful ones. And when we're the creative one, if suddenly we're the one who's making really good money, that's really confrontational in a family dynamic. And if we crave comfort more than we crave success, we're not going to let ourselves cause waves like that. So sometimes that can be the issue. Um, and many people sabotage themselves. So that is they procrastinate till the last minute, they take on more work than they can actually accomplish, so they're promising and then they can't deliver on time, um, they don't show up when they're supposed to. I mean, you know, we all know the stories of artists being flaky and, um, you know, gallery owners and uh, collectors and stuff are leery of that. And so if we show them that we are typical artists and can't be counted on, they're, you know, going to take advantage of us in financial ways in order to make up for those shortcomings that we have. So that's another way we sabotage ourselves. Um, and also having very difficult time saying no. Um, so uh, feeling, many artists do this, where we feel that we can be, use our creativity and our smarts in some way to get through life without the money. And in fact, <laughs> in some in some areas of the art world, I'm sure you've run into this, sometimes people are snotty actually about this, right? They, they'll brag about the fact that they can get by in life with little. And that's like a badge of honor. You know, I don't need a lot of money. I'm fine with making $10,000 a year. I don't think that happens so much with art fair artists. I oh. really don't because most of them really know that this is this is hard work. I mean that part about that they 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 are they really want the money because they're out there putting their bodies out there. This is not like people are schlepping things now and then around to galleries and hoping for a break. These are people who are out there trying to make that break week after week. So that particular one I'm gonna take umbrage with. So there. Okay. 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 <laughs> but yes. Because they they are they are focused on that and it, it is and they know where, where there is money to be made. It's not as it's more businessy than I think probably a lot of other art areas. But okay, go on. So that's that's but that's really they don't deserve to be paid for what they're worth huh? for their work, and it's not worth. I really like that was an interesting idea. The one about the uh, people taking advantage of artists or they're flaky. When you were saying that, I'm thinking. They probably do not, they may be fine artists, but they don't have those organizational kinds of skills that turns the flakiness into a good business person, right? Isn't, uh, so that could be certainly done away with, with training and planning, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. If okay. they're willing to. You know, yes, but it's, that's right. Sometimes there is It's a that, personality choice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I want the Freedom. I don't want to have to make choices about that, um, mm -hmm. you know, because I'm an artist. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so it just depends, you know, on how you see yourself and um, how willing you are to change your mind, actually, about who you are. Um, it's sometimes a, a huge part about allowing yourself to have wealth. Right, okay. I will take a little break here for a second. This is Connie Mettler, ArtFairInsiders.com, and I'm speaking with Cheryl Kozofsky, who's a financial recovery, let's see, financial recovery coach who specializes in working with creative people. And you can find Cheryl's information at her website, artful-work.com, artful-work.com. Okay, um, so all right, so now we know... Um, 
So about the under earners, well, but we know that there are some artists who do do okay. What kind of things do, do you think do they do that they are successful? Um, I think they're keeping track of their results. So, in, and I mean that in a lot of ways. So they're probably keeping track of the money that they are making. They probably are keeping track of the products that are bringing them the most income, you know, and being aware of who their clients are and what their clients are looking for. Um, They're probably, um, you know, thinking about production in different ways than others might to make sure that as they're producing their goods, they're being as... um, useful with their time as they are with their money so that they're making sure that they're spending their time wisely. Um, They are also probably not afraid to talk to their customers uh, at the art fairs and to promote themselves. Um, You know, I would bet they're also better at their marketing strategies, keeping in touch with their clients and uh, creating relationships with those clients. Um, so I think it's a wide variety of things. Um, but in terms of their financial stuff, that uh, tracking what their income and expenses are and um, planning for their financial future and for their financial success, I think is a huge part of it. Okay. So when you were talking about the other parts that um – they were hoping that you would make 5000 instead of 2000 so to speak, at the next weekend's art fair. Just thinking it is not going to make that happen. Not even really some good marketing is going to make that happen. Let's talk about, so my first few shows were not doing so well, and I'm reevaluating what I'm going to do with the next rest of the year. You know, artists have inconsistent income. How in the world... Can they plan? Do you have uh, to, to – I didn't get into the great the show where I made the most money last year. Now I'm totally sunk. Um, how can I have even anticipated that there was going to be the storm that was going to wipe out the best sales day at the show? So people in this business, I never made a budget. when I've been in this business since, oh, for God knows forever. But we never made a budget, and I just went by <clears> – <throat> the money we had and made it work. I did think about it and we did try to be smart about it, but I never could see the sense of making a budget because I never knew for sure what my expenses would be. Maybe we were lucky we got out of it alive. Maybe. <laughs> so yeah. what what can an artist, a person in that situation, what what would be your, what can they do? What is What, what would you suggest? Yeah, so this is... It's not just about not buying a cup of coffee. Right, it's something more. It's not, yeah. So that actually always was an enormous problem. Um, Up until last year, all budgeting programs that were on the market were based on yearly income. And uh, how they were designed is you'd say, this is how much money I'm expecting to make this year. And then you would take you know, X percent towards your mortgage, and X percent towards something else, uh, towards food, and X percent towards this, and break down that income into months and then into categories. Well, in January of last year, Karen McCall designed, or she designed it a couple of years ago, but it came out in January of last year, this product called the Money Minder. And it is a software program that is a life-changing tool. Um, It allows one to do this um, budgeting, but I actually refer to it as a spending plan because it's not intended to restrict you in any way. In fact, just the opposite. It's there to make sure that you are really taking very, very good care of yourself. Um, Because if you don't, just like when you're on a diet, um, you binge uh, when you're restricting. And so um, in this case, we want to make sure 
that all of your true needs and wants are being met first. And then the rest of the money can get frittered away if, if you'd like, or you can put it aside towards saving for something special down the road. Um, so this tool allows you to do what is called tracking, first of all. So it's going, you're going to be entering expenses into this just like you would if you were putting um, entries into your checkbook, with one exception, that you are adding to it a category. Now, for most uh, artists who are doing art fairs anyway, they're kind of used to keeping their receipts and um, putting them into categories for income tax. So they're already kind of used to this whole process, um, although generally all they're doing is keeping the receipts and then turning it over to an accountant or something at tax time. In this case, we're going to create these different categories and say, okay, I spent this much money on this thing that's part of my business and it was art supplies, or that's part of my business and it was for marketing or whatever. Um, the reason that we're doing this, though, is up for our taxes for one, but in addition to that, to kind of teach ourselves what we really are spending our money on. And then when you look at those figures over time, that in and of itself gives you some information to make some choices. So when I say coffee and stuff, you know, spending 30 cents on, actually it's not 30 cents anymore, I'm aging myself, $3 on a coffee. <laughs> You are. <laughs> you know, um, it's not a big deal. But when you look to see, oh, my God, I spent $5,000 this year on coffee, maybe then you, maybe, you know, for me, actually, I looked and I thought, well, that is worth it to me. I travel a lot. Um, mm -hmm. You know, chai tea and stuff like that is something that is important to me. It's relaxing to me. I felt it was worth it. But without knowing what that dollar amount was, I couldn't actually make that choice. Oh. And, you know, it's just gone. And for many of my students, when they see that $5,000, that actually gives them incentive. And it, they're no longer interested in buying that coffee. Because that $5,000 could be, you know, a new kiln. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. you know? So it's much more meaningful. Plus, when you're looking at this month to month, if you're only thinking you need to kind of rein yourself in for a month or two to be able to have something you really want, you can do that. To be thinking you're going to have to not ever have that thing ever again in your life is a different story. Yes. But if you're working towards, you know what, here's my goal. I really want to be able to go to Europe next year. I need to save this much money then, you know what, for a year or two, you can scrimp on quite a few things, and it's fine because you know why you're doing it and you know what you're going to get at the end of this period of time, and it makes it worthwhile. And so those kinds of choices exist. In addition to that, this program lets you go in a month in advance instead of a year in advance and say this is kind of at the beginning of this month what I think my expenses are going to be. So I'm going to have uh, travel expenses for this show and this show, and right. I'm going to be having marketing or whatever this month. Um, and this is what I'm guessing my income is going to be during the month. And a month in advance, we have a much better idea than if we're trying to do this month before. But in addition to that, this program lets you make adjustments daily if necessary. So when the day comes, the first day of the fair, and you don't hit the target that you thought you were going to, you can go back into this program and adjust it and say, oh, you know what? I thought I was going to make $2,500 this month, but I think, you know what, maybe it's really only going to be 22 Now, why that's important is then you know, okay, I'm going to be $300 less. Before the end of the month even comes then you've got to find a place to cut $300 out of what you're going to spend so that you know at the end of the month you're going to be okay. Or I need to sneak in another show someplace this month. Maybe I'm going to host one myself at my studio. Maybe I'm going to call a couple clients that I haven't talked to in a long time and see if I can sell a couple pieces of jewelry. 
because I got to make that three hundred dollars up. Mm-hmm. But when you aren't doing that planning and you don't know what's going on and you're just wishing, the chances of it turning out okay at the end of the month are not good. Do you do you know about um, a book? Uh, the title of it is Your Money or Your Life. Yeah, sure. Yes, <laughs> I read that book probably twenty years ago, and it kind of starts with that. I mean, we only have so many hours in our life, and what is more important is working or live having your life. And, of course, a lot of people who are in this business, their livelihood is their life, and they love what they're doing. So it's not like they're commuting someplace to work at some job that they hate. They have a job that they love. And so Mm -hmm. they kind of step off of that. But one of the early steps in that book also is to get – figure out what what is your life worth, of course, to you and what what is it that you want to be doing with that life. And then they uh, then they start immediately getting very practical just like you. Keeping a notebook of every cent spent, right? Yep. This is this, yep. this is the same thing. To get a not to be a cheapskate necessarily, no. but to find out whether what well what is important with with their life because the hours of their life is what they have that's their riches and what they're going to do with those hours and how many of them they're going to turn in so of their life they're going to work for so that they can sleep (laughs) or so what's a reward so that they can have this big party or buy this fancy car or you know live in the best neighborhood or those kinds of things how many hours is it worth it to you so that's that's the same kind of a, a concept. I mean, isn't that where this is going, what you're yes. talking about? Well, it's about, I mean, because it is absolutely. So it, your time is absolutely linked to your money in the same way. It's like, so what are you spending your time and money on? And the point of it all is to have as much joy in your life as you can. So it's not doing it for doing its sake. It's doing it so you get to have the things you really want. And, you know, um, so our, you know, I have a client, for example, who um, he's a furniture maker. He makes gorgeous furniture. And, you know, when, when I worked with him on putting this spending plan together, there's a category in the spending plan called self-care. And he put under self-care cigars and, a, and brandy. And I was like, that's going under self-care, you know. <laughs> and he said, you know what, Cheryl, that is my time of day of relaxation and peace. And so he planned that into his budget and into his time so that every single day he has time to sit down, smoke a cigar, and have a glass of brandy. And, you know, and that's one of his pleasures. And it's like, well, you know what? If that's one of your pleasures, then that's a need. And so basically, actually what this is, is each one of us discovering the differences for ourselves of what our needs are versus our wants. Personally. Oh, okay. okay? Instead of somebody else, you know, um, somebody was talking to me yesterday about Dave Ramsey, who's a person who's a financial coach of sorts. You know, and he talks about budgeting and things like that, but not in the same way that I am. He's talking about, you know, get out of debt as fast as you can. You want to restrict yourself. You want to save as much money as you can. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is let's love our lives and be spending our time and money doing what really is going to make us the happiest. And, you know, so that we're not frittering money away on stuff we don't even care about, we don't even remember we bought, but instead are using that money for something that is really going to make us joyous um, and that we're going to remember for the rest of our lives that we did. So basically what I'm, I'm hearing is that by being financially aware Writing it down, this is the plan that you've got, this money minder online that you're talking about. Writing it down is is a big step toward 
um, financial pieces, Jason Ramsey would say, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because without, and here's why, because most of us kind of walk around like we're in this big money fog all the time. We don't actually know exactly how much money we make. I mean, if you talk, if particularly to artists, you talk to a lot of them, they can tell you kind of around how much money they think they made, but almost never exactly. Um, and they, again, on expenditures, they kind of know what their lives cost, but not really. So it's really, it's, you know, it's the same kind of thing. It's like, okay, so if you're trying to get to New York and you don't know where you're starting from, how can you really figure out the best path to get there? You can't because you don't know where you're starting from. So that's the tracking piece. Is like first you just got to figure out where you are. I and remember um, back when we were traveling and doing shows, reading Money Magazine, for example, and it would say how much money you will need to retire. And saying to somebody once, oh, gosh, it looks like I only have to save $3,000 more every month for the next 20 years to make it. It's just like craziness, mm-hmm. but and so, but then of course, then we were never going to retire, and there, well, there's that. You know, artists aren't trying to retire necessarily. There's just a, a whole different. It's a life, but still, when they, but you're saying that if you, I'm I'm really finding a bit of a disconnect between tracking. Okay, it tracking. Re, the result of the tracking is being financially okay. No, the result that's of the not tracking is being conscious of what you're spending your money on. So it's sort of two different pieces. So first we're just going to get clear about what do you spend your money on, how much money do you actually make, how much money do you actually spend. The next step is making decisions. So what actually do I want in my life, and what is it going to cost? So part of In the Money Minder is also a tool called Needs and Wants. And it's like, okay, so if part of my dream is one day I want a home in Mexico, what would that cost? And doing some research and figuring that out. So, okay, so if I really did want that house in Mexico, what would it cost me, and what would I need to be doing starting now in order to make sure that by the time I was 60, I could have that house in Mexico. Well, I have friends who are artists who earn their living as artists who have homes in Mexico. I know several. Mm-hmm. I know several artists from this business, from the art fair business, who I'm sure are millionaires. Mm-hmm. So, but you oh, said that awesome. early on. You know, yes. you artists are not going to make, but but I do know artists who have made these things happen, and they're yes. just people like that. You are in the booth next to you at an art fair. Yes. <laughs> they're they're not trust fund babies, and they are people who have just gone to work every day. So okay, so then the other part is, you write it down. You have your list of your needs. We're also talking about attitude and discipline. Looking at yourself yes. in a new way. By doing these exercises, oh, this is like quitting smoking. Or this is, not, this is what, what is, this calls for a lot so, from a person. Yeah. Well, there are, two piece, there are two pieces. So if an artist was to begin just to do this tracking mm-hmm. and plan their spending, mm-hmm. they would make progress to a certain point. To really, if they're an under-earner, then they are also going to have to do some internal work to look to see what their beliefs are about money and themselves and make some personal transitions in order to change their minds about who they are and um, what they believe they deserve. So those are two separate pieces. Um, For some, both are required. For others, it's purely the technical aspect of getting more clear about, you know, what they are spending their money on right now, seeing that they may be spending money on things that aren't very meaningful for them, and just making some changes in that regard. So each one of us is different and require different things. And the money minder in and of itself will not help those with under-earning issues. Um, That will require uh, either looking at this personally, 
getting therapy in some cases, or working with a financial coach. Right. So part financial. of my training is to help people look. So when I work with a client, for example, I teach them how to use the money minder so that they can keep track and begin to make some decisions about their finances. But then I also help them look to see what's going on with them personally, uh, psychologically. Mm-hmm. So this is a, it's a structure to build on, yeah, which exactly. some people may not have. Okay, they were not brought up to pay attention to it, or these other issues that you said earlier, why they are, why they don't have those things. Um, but you know, one of the the things that you talked about before was that you may be underpricing your work, and I know this is kind of this is kind of wandering a little away, but the whole thing about pricing work, and I saw that in one of your work, workshops that you help people find that. That's a little terrifying. Because if I can't sell this painting for $150 and you, when I do this workshop, it shows that really I should be asking $400 for it, how can I suddenly change all those price tags to $400? That, that is, if I can't sell it for 150 why do I think I can sell it for 400 How do you get past something like that? Okay, so that is that... Um Selling it for any price is a function of explaining to our clients its value. So there is no sort of like, oh, a a necklace ought to be $200. Um, It is what our clients perceive the value to be. And so this is actually where education comes in. So it's our jobs as artists to help our clients understand what we do, what we put into our work, and why it's important to the client and why it's financially worth what we're asking. So that is part of our marketing, actually, I think. I believe that all of our marketing efforts ought to be education-based marketing so that in every single time that we communicate with our clients, we are explaining to them something about what we do so they understand that, you know, we're not just in the studio for two seconds, knock this thing out, and that's um, what they're paying for, our time. They need to understand that it's our way of thinking, our way of seeing the world, our skill, our vision that is part of what, the value of this piece is, and that that's what they're paying for. Not a trinket, not a bowl, not, you know, the utilitarian thing that they've just purchased, but that it is this unique item that our love and talent is invested with, and that makes it more valuable than just it's a bowl. And so it's our job to explain that to our clients. Okay, so then, so then that is a a, um, a bit of a marketing issue, then, isn't it? Yes, right. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Why? 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 I don't want to be poor. I think this is amazing work. And why? And you don't. Okay, now, now, my how would fix that disconnect? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, you have to How get... you fix that disconnect is, you know, you take, you know, here's a perfect example. When I first moved to uh, the area that I live in, which is near South Bend, Indiana, I had moved from Chicago. So I knew when I moved that I'd have to, I was doing decorative painting at that time on walls, and um, I knew that I'd have to lower my prices to some extent because I was not in an urban area anymore. So I lowered it a little bit, and when I got here, I found that my competition was a third of the price that I was charging. <laughs> and I was frightened beyond belief because it was, you know, there was no way I could afford to live on a third of my income, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, you know, you know, things went down, but not that much. So I almost gave up. And then this very, very smart man who owned a furniture store in town stopped me. And he said to me, Cheryl, don't lower your prices at all. You just have to explain to people. You have an art degree that's a four-year art degree. 
you know how to mix any color in the universe. You know how to cut custom stencils. You know how to design patterns. Your degree is in fabric design. This is why those people need to pay you that. And those clients who don't care about those things should, in fact, pay someone a third of your price and get a third of the product because they'll be happy with that. But there will be others who will be able to see the difference and know the difference. And when they understand who you are and what you offer, we'll pay you. And you know what? That is, he was probably the best person I ever met in my life. You know, because I truly, because I did not come down in my pricing. I did exactly what he said. And in no time, I was the person to hire in decorative painting in this area because he was right. So many of my competitors were people who taught themselves and, you know, or went to a two-week workshop. And, um, you know, he was right. There were some people, they couldn't see the difference, you know. Right. They, you know, and those people... It was fine. They weren't going to be my clients. It was fine. I'd meet they them. weren't I'd going to be your them. clients in the first place. Yeah, and I'd right. give them someone else's card. I'd say, you know what? You're probably not going to want my work. Try calling this person. They're probably going to be perfect for you. And that was just fine. And then there were others who wanted highly customized work, and they wouldn't have hired anybody else but me no matter what I charged them. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. It's it's the uniqueness of the work that makes a difference. Shopping at art fairs is not a competitive. This is not people comparing prices. I'm not looking at the photographs in one booth to see if they're cheaper in another booth. This is not about that. This is about creating original, one-of-a-kind work that has value, hopefully value to the person who's looking at it without you having to go through all the other parts. But you need to be prepared with all of that anyway, right? Well, and sometimes it's the stories. The stories, that's right. <laughs> it's the you know, stories. Because, because I'll tell you, I have a client, for example, he's a woodworker. And one day in class, he happened to start talking to me about how he picked the trees that he made these gorgeous bowls out of mm-hmm. and how important each one was and how he shaped it because of where the tree was and the type it was and whatever. And you know what? So we decided he needed to have each bowl have a tag that said exactly where that tree came from, what kind it was, what the environment was that was near that tree and whatever. And I'll tell you what, he doubled his prices and those bowls walked out of the store because people Peg, loved pegs. that they oh, knew. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Okay. Yep. Something as simple as that, and he didn't do it. It wasn't hardly any more work for him. Okay, well, I think we are just about out of time here, Cheryl. This has been a lot of interesting information. We could go on forever. Uh, there's no more topic more interesting or sexy than money, at least to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you for your time. And anybody, um, I've t- been speaking with Cheryl Kosofsky. Uh, take a trip over to her website, artfulwork.com. That's artful with the hyphen between artful-work.com. And just look at, uh, she's got a little quick video right there on the front page. Uh, take a look at that, and you can meet Cheryl and see what she has to say about being an artist and earning a living as an artist. Thanks so much, Cheryl. I hope to talk to you again. So that's about it for today, folks. I hope you found a lot of good information here. Um, We're posting the information at artfairinsiders.com. We welcome comments there. You can download this free podcast at iTunes in the podcast section and subscribe there also. If you review it while you're there, you'd be contributing to our mission, which is supporting the success of the nation's artists. We have more interesting shows in the works with some of the nation's top show directors and artists. Our next one is going to be an overview of the 2013 show season. If you'd like to be on this podcast, please contact me, ConnieArtsForCalendar.com. We're looking for good stories. Love to have them on the podcast. Until next time, visit ArtFairInsiders.com, tell your friends about us, like us on Facebook, and go out, create, and make money. Thanks so much for listening.
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.